Welcome to The Commentary, a weekly conversation about vision, worship, and life at Grace Presbyterian Church. I'm Mark Bertrand, the pastor of Grace, and my fellow commenter in today's episode is Cameron Brooks. In this episode, Cameron and I will be discussing a new liturgy for daily worship. During last year's episode on prayer, I pined away for some kind of liturgy for daily worship, a set pattern for Reformed devotion that fell somewhere between the complexity of the Book of Common Prayer and the informality of simply reading a daily dose of scripture followed by extemporaneous prayer. With the publication of Jonathan Gibson's Be Thou My Vision, a liturgy for daily worship, has this longing now been satisfied? I've been using this liturgy daily since the first of the year, and now I'm going to introduce Cameron to it, looking at the pros and cons. By the time we're done, I might even contradict my fundamental character as a human being by recommending the ebook version. So the first Sunday morning of the year, I did a classic Pastor Mark thing. I got up in the pulpit at the beginning of the service, and I waved this little book around, Be Thou My Vision by Jonathan Gibson. It's this new liturgy for daily worship. And I said, this year, we're going to start using this book, and it's going to be fantastic. And after the service, people came up to me and were like, yeah, I'm looking this up on my phone and it seems like you can't get a copy anywhere. And sure enough, it's like it's sold out and copies won't be available for another month or something like that. And so uh, classic jumping the gun. But I wanted to take some time and talk about this book, why I'm so excited about it why I'd love to see our church, Grace, embrace this during this year and beyond, and how I think it answers some questions that we raised earlier. Um, So let me remind you, Cameron, last year we did an episode devoted to prayer. You remember that? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that was one of those topics that it's really interesting to see the feedback, right? Because prayer is one of those things that people have... A lot of questions about they're really interested in but but it's also sort of a uh let's say a nexus of frustration right because it's it's something everyone feels like they should be doing that they're not doing enough of and that uh like they're not even quite sure how and so in our prayer episode we talked about uh some ways of praying we gave some resource recommendations and as I reflect on that, one of the ideas that really kind of comes through is is like daily prayer can really benefit from what we might think of as like a, a liturgy, uh, a structure to it. And so we talked about some of the, the different structures that were available. And now this book kind of presents uh, another structure that can be used. And, and I think quite an interesting one to give some some structure to daily worship and prayer. Well, I'm excited to hear about it. I haven't I haven't got a copy myself yet because like you said they're they're <laughs> um on the way. But um I think one thing we had possibly talked about last time was that there wasn't before this necessarily a 
a structure or a liturgy within our tradition, kind of. You know, there's like, we had that, I think we talked about Martin Luther's prayer right. guide. We talked about the Book of Common Prayer, which, right. which I have used, but sometimes found a little bit difficult, frankly. Mm-hmm. And, and it's not a reformed document properly. So is this... Would you say, is this coming from a more reformed perspective or how would you talk about the yeah, background? Yeah, so I don't know if we've talked about this before in the commentary or not, but for years I had this obsession trying to get some publisher interested in, in publishing what I called the reformed breviary. Uh, basically, if you, if you look at uh, a breviary, it's sort of like, um, it's like a book of common prayer, but it also has these readings, these excerpts from uh, sermons and writings of various church fathers and that sort of thing. So it's, it's you know, like, like daily prayer on steroids a little bit. And I always thought, man, this would be a, a great format for uh, daily worship and devotion. And it would be great if someone did this structure, but used the, the riches of the Reformed tradition drawing on that material, right? So this book is not that, like it, it, it's not quite that packed. It's a little bit simpler, but it's essentially like its heart is in the same place. So when you look at Be Thou My Vision, what you really have is a couple of parts that work together. So the core of it is just 31 days worth of daily personal worship services. And they have a liturgical structure that is familiar to anybody who's ever been to a grace worship service. So there's you know, everything from a call to worship to a confession of sin and, and assurance of pardon, like all of those familiar things, confession of faith. But it works towards two kind of big puzzle pieces. One of them is scripture reading and the other is prayer. And so you flip to the back of the book where there is a scripture reading plan. And at a certain point, you grab your Bible and you'll read whatever this day's readings are. And if you follow that throughout the year, you will have read through the whole Bible in a year. So you have a pattern for prayer that renews every month, 30, 31 days. You're at the same time reading through the Bible daily so that you finish it in a year. And you're also reviewing the catechisms, the Heidelberg Catechism and the Westminster Shorter Catechism as part of that as well. And so you're getting all of that devotional material together in one book. And it just gives, you know, a a good shape to your worship. And it does draw on uh, a lot of different sources. So you'll you'll find material from... Not only scripture and the ancient church creeds, but you'll find some early church fathers. So you might have a prayer from Gregory the Great one day. And the next day you might have something from Calvin. So it's drawing on reformed sources as well and kind of eclectically taking the best of a lot of different things and putting it together. So there there are excerpts from the Book of Common Prayer. I think the uh, the original one from the 1550s at least primarily, which is um, at least arguably the most reformed one. Right. Um, prayer book, you know, devotees might might argue back and forth about which is the best version, but but uh, there are you know advocates of the 1928s or what you know whatever. But but uh, 
be that as it may, this one has chosen mainly the 1554, I think, or six. And um, yeah, so so it's probably like with, with any effort like this, you could look at it with a critical eye and say, well, I would have done it this way or I would have done it that way. But the beauty of it is someone else has done the work for you and you can kind of enter into it. And, and so what I like about this is that, so each one of us using this guide can have daily devotionals, right? You can do this on your own or in the context of your family. And at the same time, all of us together are on this similar pattern. I mean, that's the, if you ever wonder, like, like why common prayer in the book of common prayer? Well, the emphasis is on the idea that everyone's doing it together. We have this in common. And so this gives a sort of common experience to God's people and also creates the possibility that all of us individually doing this could then come together at church and do it together from time to time exactly as we would do it on our own. And so it makes it easy for someone who's like, look, I, I don't even know how I would begin with something like this to witness it being done and be able to say, oh, I, yeah, okay, I see. It's not that hard. And actually develop a daily discipline after having seen it practiced by the church as a whole. And so all of those possibilities are, are the things that kind of interest me about this. So it's it's going to be, come back into print and be more readily available physically. The Kindle edition, it does mm-hmm. exist and you can download if you are that way inclined and and I, which I did even though I'm not <laughs> usually one for electronic books over physical books. In this case, I was like, I'm going to give it a try and there's certainly a convenience to that. But um I always say, you know, use whatever tools are are helpful to you. I'm not going to tell you stop reading, you know, the reading plan you're committed to and start doing this instead or whatever. But I think a lot of us are kind of, you know, struggling to find the discipline that works for us. And my hope is that for those who are in that boat or are open to making, you know, some kind of change, refreshing their routine, this might be a rewarding way to do that. Yeah. Yeah, that was going to be my question is say that I already sit down every day and and read scripture and I'm a, you know, I've been doing that for years. Somebody, somebody might be listening and maybe that's their, you know, their me and Jesus time or their Bible time or prayer time. And what is the value of, I know you're not, you're not like forcing this on anyone, but what is the value of the structure of of this book, Be Thou My Vision, do you think over against, maybe not even over against, but in addition to what I'm already doing, you know, what yeah. these extra readings, why not just read the Bible? Yeah, no, that's a great question. I, th- I think that there are a couple of benefits. So obviously you're reading a lot of Bible with this, so it's not an either or mm-hmm. kind of thing. But I, I like the way that the the different elements of worship are modeled here. So I think a lot of times when we think of personal devotion, let's say, or to use the the counter, like quiet time, we often think of that as being like something very different from what I would do like in a, in a public worship service. Right. So 
we think of it as more like meditation. So I'm going to sit and kind of read for a while. And maybe I'll think of that in terms of, you know, how many chapters I want to get through, or maybe how much time I want to devote to it. I'm going to spend a little time praying as well. And, and again, I might have sort of a, a metric that I'm shooting for in that, you know, or maybe not, you know, maybe I'm past, you know, those kinds of considerations, but a lot of times that experience will not really have the, the character of worship, right? The, those movements of the liturgy that we're familiar with, with a call to worship and a confession of sin and assurance of pardon. And I, those kinds of moments don't necessarily happen in that personal way, because we're not thinking of it as personal worship, yeah. right? And so this is the key, is that it's it's not so much about, you know, do I need to read my Bible and pray on a daily basis? It's more like, do I need to worship on a daily basis? And if so, what does that consist of? Well, it consists in part of, of prayer. It consists in part of reading scripture and meditating on it and that kind of thing. So this adds structure to that, but also enriches it because the prayers that you're using and the confessions of faith are drawing on so many different rich sources in the Christian tradition. And so in a sense, you're, you're adding fuel to the fire, right? It's not just you sort of extemporizing everything. It's, it's you sort of drawing on all of these beautiful expressions and making them your own. You know, and so I think that's the benefit. And, and again, I'm not saying, you know, stop doing what you're doing and start doing this. But I think if you were looking for uh, a way of deciding, like, is this something that would benefit me? That's the way it would benefit you. It would essentially benefit you in the same way that coming to a worship service and experiencing all those things in the liturgy benefits you over, for example, staying home, listening to five of your favorite worship songs and downloading a sermon to listen to. You know, that there's something more about the experience when it has that liturgical structure to it. I I really like that. That's that's fantastic. And in fact, you could see it working both ways where like, so say I've been going to Grace for three years as I have, and I'm going to pick up this book that that structure is already going to be kind of in me, you know, in my soul, so to speak, because I've been worshiping that way yeah. with, with the church for a while. And on the other hand, if I'm doing this similar kind of liturgy every single day in my personal worship, when I show up on a Sunday, it's going to feel more natural perhaps. Yeah. The and goal I'm guessing. <laughs> this is, yeah. So, okay. Here's where we get to, let's say like the potential mind blowing, wrinkle in all of this. If you dig back and you look at the the book of church order and you look at the Westminster standards and kind of the, the way that the, the role of, you know, Lord's day public worship services was seen. It's a surprise to a lot of people to realize that, that that Sunday morning service was really seen as sort of like the crest of the wave, you know, for us, we think of worship as like, well, God says we have to worship him at least, you know, every seventh day. And they would tell you, no, 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 no. I mean, God expects so much more than that. I mean, you should be worshiping him daily. And household worship 
is is what we're talking about here. And there was an expectation that every household on a daily basis would be gathering together in worship. And by the time you came to the assembly of the church, you had already had this sort of week-long experience of daily worship. And so, you know, from the 21st century perspective, we look on that and think, wow, I mean, that's, that's quite an obligation. That's a lot of effort that you've got to put into things. But, but imagine how it changes your experience of Sunday morning worship when it is not, you know, the, the first time you've thought of God since the last time you were in the sanctuary, right? When, when this is all very, it's the reason why I always encourage people when you're able to, to take a look at the liturgy for Sunday in advance, you know, and, and read through it, reflect on it so that you're not experiencing it for the first time as we worship together, but the readings and, and things like that are already familiar to you so that as we worship together, you're reflecting on what they mean, not discovering it for the first time. You know, that's the advantage of having those things available to you in advance. And I think in the same way, having that daily pattern of worship, it enriches Sunday morning worship immensely. You know, and, and that's, the, again, that's, it's the reason why I would encourage people to explore this because I'm not saying, hey, you're doing it wrong. You need to start doing it the right way. I'm saying this is one of those things that actually improves a lot when you commit yourself to it. And so if, if you're looking for a richer experience of worship, uh, a great way to experience that is, is more worship. Yeah. I have a story I want to tell before we're, we're done. When I was a high school teacher, you know, I taught at a, a more evangelical mm-hmm. school. And, and like the evangelical tradition generally that I think most of the students there approached faith with more of a spontaneous kind of yes. attitude. And, and I, and I knew that and I was coming fresh out of seminary. So I wanted to kind of, you know, push them in the other direction or, or test out some liturgy kind of. So one of the things I did was I chose a prayer for every, every day and read it at the beginning of, of every class. And so it's, they were, some of them were Psalms, some were from the Book of Common Prayer, some were just theologians. And so it was the Monday prayer, the Tuesday prayer, and so forth. And some students had me multiple times a day, so they would hear that same prayer multiple times a day. And I would say the same prayer like seven times a day. Mm-hmm. And, and they really kind of got baked into my imagination by the end of the semester. Yeah. But I remember at first the students were sort of, well, well, it took them a while first to pick up like, oh, I've heard this before. And oh, that's that's the same one that he said last Monday or last period or whatever. And so they they first they picked up on it and then they were really interested. And, in, you know, what are you, why are you doing this? So and we kind of talked through this. The value of of the repetition is that you you start to learn it and it starts to it starts to become the language that you just use. And that's another thing I like about this 31 days is that you're, you're repeating some things. Exactly. That's, that's one of the things about a Bible reading plan that I've maybe struggled with is you, you know, you can read the, the Bible's a big book. I mean, you can, yes. if you can get through it in a year, that's amazing, but you don't get to repeat a lot. And there's some value in that meditative repetition where you're, you're coming back to something again and again and again. 
and and really just sitting with it and letting it shape you. No, that's a great point because one of the things that you'll see in Be Thou My Vision is that those 31 days do involve some repetition. So take, for example, a confession of faith. So during the course of the 31 days, you will use the Nicene Creed more than once, the Apostles' Creed more than once. There's repetition involved. But you'll actually do the Athanasian Creed, too, over the course of several days, kind of divide it up. But So it's not even that it comes around every 31 days or so. In some cases, it's going to come around every few days, and it's going to give you that that you know richer sense of familiarity. But of course, other things like the Lord's Prayer daily, yeah. you know, you're going to have that every single time. And and you're right; it does teach us to to inhabit the words differently yeah. because we're not just listening to them for the first time. And I think that's. Um, it's not only valuable spiritually, but I think it's it's valuable to us, like as humans, to to realize, like our brains are actually formatted for this kind of thing better than we realize. You know, I I'll never forget the very first seminary class I ever attended, uh, Doctrine of Salvation with Doctor David McWilliams, and his lecture style was he referred to it himself. He he called it Gaffinesque, and and. In, in other words, he was imitating this guy, Richard Gaffin. He lectured the same way. But I didn't know at that time who Richard Gaffin was, and so I didn't know you know, what his method was. And it turns out it was sort of like the classic method of the universities you know, in, in Europe in the past, uh, which is to read the manuscript of the lecture aloud. Mm. And so the professor, Dr. McWilliams, he starts reading this lecture and I'm not taking notes because I'm waiting for him to be done reading whatever it is he's reading so he can start talking, which is what I'm used to in a classroom is just somebody talking at me. And eventually I realize he's not going to stop reading. Like this is the lecture. And, and I'm surprised by the end of that semester that my arm didn't fall off because I was writing down so much because I'm trying to get down verbatim what he's saying and a few light bulbs came on for me. Like at first I understood how it was possible for like people's sermons or lectures only to be known to us through the notes of the students. You know, there are like some famous lectures that were made in universities and we only know what was said because people transcribed as it was happening. And, and I never understood how that was possible. Well, after that semester I understood, but the other thing was it was so densely packed that I learned more in that semester than I had learned in maybe 10 years of studying theology the the modern way. And after having that experience and adapting to it, when some guest teacher came in with his PowerPoint slides and started winging it, I was mad because I didn't feel like I was going to get my money's worth. You know, it's like an hour of the the Gaffinesque approach gave me so much more to chew on than an hour of the usual thing. And so it was a more ancient way of doing things. It was alien at first and, and frankly annoying (laughs) because I thought I knew better. And I thought like, this is not how it's done. Trust me. But once my mind was adapted to it, suddenly I was on this different level, you know, and it was exhausting, but exhilarating. 
that's the same thing people experience when they worship with us for the first time, right? If, if what you're accustomed to is, is, you know, the, the PowerPoint and the, the kind of extemporizing, you're suddenly being hit with, with all this scripture and all of this, this sort of thought and it can be exhausting, but, but, but then it becomes exhilarating. Right. And, and you realize, wait a second, I was made for this and, and, and you crave it and it's hard to go back. So if that's true in those situations, I think you find that even in, in daily devotion, there's something similar where you will be astonished how much benefit you receive, even though the amount of time is out of all proportion by using this daily liturgy reading the scripture passages that are part of it, going through all of this. Uh, I might spend 20 minutes doing this, but during that 20 minutes, you know, the, the, the fire hose has been blasting <laughs> and, and yeah, I've missed a lot, but I've also gained a lot more than I can imagine. And, and to have that day in and day out is transformative. Well, I can't wait to get my hands on a copy. I've got one last question, though. I'm thinking back to when we talked about New Year's resolutions recently. Yes. And, you know, we talked about how really what we want to be doing as Christians this year and every year is, is loving God more and, and being more oriented towards others, loving toward others. And it's obvious to me how going through something like this helps me love God more because you're saying it's daily worship. How do you think something like this could help us love others as well. You know, I, it's maybe a tricky question. I'm not sure I have an answer off the, off the cuff, but what do you think? Like, how does it orient us towards others? You mentioned how it's, it's uniting the church a little bit because yeah. if we all do this together, any there's other thoughts? At least, yeah. There's at least two things I can think of off the bat. Now, one of them is what you're saying, that idea that um, like doing towards others, if I'm doing this with others, you know, that's, that's a big part of it. So if I'm kind of doing my own thing, you know, I'm, I'm worshiping God in my own way, that's great. And, and by all means, but if I'm, I'm worshiping him with another person, if we're doing it together, that's something more, right? I, I can serve another person in this and, and I'll give you a great example. You know, Lori and I, we've been doing this with this book, um, every day this year. And, you know, there have been days when one of us or the other one was like, you know what, maybe today we don't have time. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like, well, we left it too long today, you know, or maybe, you know, we don't have time to do all the readings and, you know, that sort of thing. And, and then the other one's like, you know what, or maybe we do, <laughs> you know, maybe we can make time, you know, and, and that's the way that it's worked. And so, we've been able to encourage one another in this discipline and, and are, you know, conscious of it in a way that I think if it's just up to me and I can tell myself, Hey, look, you know, I didn't get to it today. That's fine. Tomorrow I'll do double, you know, yeah. um, it's easier, I think, to, to put things off. And so, so there's that, that, that sort of mutual encouragement. And I think that's true. You know, you could, you could see not just families, but small groups, the church as a whole coming together and, and benefiting and, and, and serving one another in this way, like, like, you know, helping you pray more 
is is a way I can serve you, yeah. right? And you can serve me. So there, there's that. But then there's also like if you think about it, just a really practical thing. Um, loving my neighbor. I go to church on a Sunday morning and the pastor preaches this sermon and, and it has that moral to it. You know, Oh, I'm supposed to go out there and love people in God's name. And I leave church and at least till two thirty or three o'clock in the afternoon, I'm really focused on that. You know, anybody who encounters me in that window is going to get a lot of love yeah. and a lot of forgiveness if, if they you know transgress against me. Monday afternoon, that might have worn off, you know, and, 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 you know, you really need to catch me, you know, on a Sunday afternoon. Well, the beauty of daily worship is it's, it's a constant reorienting, right? That, that now we're constantly finding ourselves encouraged in the way that we are on a Sunday morning. And so it is encouraging me to do towards others every day not just every Sunday. And so I think that's another benefit that, it, again, just using personal experience, I find I am more conscious of the need to love and serve others with a daily discipline like this than I am without one. And so I think that's that gives you at least two ways of, of, of seeing it. Here's, here's a good like personal commitment or discipline that if I stick with it actually benefits other people. Yeah. Well, you know, I think that's why Jesus summarized the law with those two commands because they're so connected. When you love God, you you do love others. And when you love others well in God, you're worshiping God. So that right. makes sense. Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think when you read first John, for example, and you see the kind of the, the interconnectedness of that love, you know, for him to be able to say, look, if you don't love your brother, you don't love God. Yeah. You know, that, that it's that tight is, is really compelling. And so, yeah, I mean, I, I think there are a lot of things we can do, a lot of spiritual disciplines that encourage us to uh, live our faith and not just sort of entertain it inside our minds. This is one of the best, I think. Just, I, I don't necessarily mean this, this particular book, but this daily habit of devotion and worship is one of the best things you can do. I think one of the best things to cultivate and certainly to cultivate for the sake of your family, you know, as, as uh, people listen to this and, and have responsibility for households, uh, I think of married couples, friends, you know, like I said earlier, small groups, like it, there's really, no end to the kind of permutations of, of the ways to use this. And I think ultimately it's just a question of, you know, worshiping together, praying together and encouraging one another. That's all the time we have for now. Thanks for listening. In the show notes, you'll find links to both the hardcover edition of Be Thou My Vision at Westminster Books, which will hopefully be back in stock by early February, and the Kindle edition at Amazon. I have to say, using the Kindle edition is very similar to having the book, especially if you view it on an iPad where it looks almost the same. 
Using the Kindle version side-by-side -side with the ESV Bible app on my tablet, I've been able to swipe back and forth seamlessly without feeling like the experience is somehow a compromise. No, I haven't turned my back on physical books, but if you want to get started without having to wait for inventory to restock, all I'm saying is that the ebook is executed beautifully. Until next time, if you've enjoyed the commentary, you can rate us on your favorite podcast app and share episodes with your friends on social media. You can subscribe to the commentary on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. To find out more about us online, visit graceforsufalls.org.